Good morning. My name's Rob, and I sound like Barry White this morning. And uh, thank you for reading the scripture and for the great worship, and, uh, and I love to be here at uh, chapel with you all this morning. Um, I also love that man called Peter, who was, uh, was in our scripture reading this morning. He was a, an out-there kind of guy. He, um, he, he was the kind of guy that you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. You never knew what he was going to do. Not sure what he was going to say. He was confident, but never seemed overconfident. He was impetuous and impulsive. And, um, and then he met Jesus on the lake of uh, Galilee. Um, I'm going to read some quotes to you from Scripture, and I'd like you to tell me who said this. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Peter, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the, I'm sorry, that's in the Bible? Are you kidding? Um, you shall never wash my feet. Peter, and then 10 seconds later, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Peter. How about this one? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter, and then the rooster crowed three times. He steps out of the boat onto the water and he takes Jesus' hand. He cuts off a servant's ear. He throws a cloak onto his shoulder and jumps out to the, of, of the boat and swims to shore to find Jesus. Um, I love Peter. I spent my teen years on a small island, a Thetis Island, uh, out in Vancouver, uh, working with uh, the Bella Coola tribe. Um, an Aboriginal Canadian tribe, taking care of beautiful native kids. I love those kids. Did a lot of climbing and spelunking and, and shooting and all the things that we did out west when the police weren't on the island. <laughs> uh, I was 14 years old, and one of my favorite things to do was to drive the tractor. And we had a big old Massey Ferguson. I don't know if you know, they're red. We had a big old Massey Ferguson tractor and had these big, beautiful rear wheels, and all the wheels were all, you know, the rubber was way worn down. And I would take that anywhere. If I needed to go up and get anything, you know, just a little distance, I could walk, but much more fun to take the tractor. And I could make that tractor fly. It was my Ferrari. Um, and it was small, but it had a PTO, the, the power takeoff on the back, so you could plug things into it. You could plug it in, you could have the belts, you could put the the hay up in the, in the barn. You could put a mower attachment on the back so I could cut the grass. I love that smell. Um, oh, and you could take off the, uh, anything onto the PTO and there was um, a little ball so you could put a trailer and you could take kids, drive around the place with kids on the back. Um, <laughs> crazy kids. And um, <laughs> I loved that tractor. And when I was driving that tractor, I was happy. I was the master of the machine. I 
and my Massey Ferguson, when I was on that puppy, I was the man. So one day I just finished cutting the grass. I had the, uh, the mower attachment on the back. I was coming home for lunch. And um, at this point it was called the North American Indian Mission, the North American Aboriginal Mission now, which isn't there. It's actually a Cape and Ray school now. I don't know. Cape and Ray bought it. It's that beautiful Cape and Ray BC school now. And um, when I was there, it was the mission, and there were all sorts of uh, young people working there. And, and at that point, I was 14, there were all sorts of young girls working there as well. And uh, around lunchtime, people would go out, the girls would go out the back and, and wait for lunch. Well, uh, I was the man on the tractor, uh, hungry for lunch, heading back for lunch, and, and girls were present. And you know that it couldn't end up well. So I'm coming down the hill, and I see girls, and I'm on tractor, and I'm hungry. Um, so I speed up. And you have to come in, and you come down, you make a quick turn, and you go in behind um, the main building where the girls were. And um, right along the edge is this beautiful, old, they say it was ancient stone wall. And it was a stone wall built when stones, when you didn't use concrete, they're each placed just perfectly. You ever seen those beautiful old stone walls that are just there by faith because someone loved them enough to build them and the stones are perfectly placed. So I had to come around the stone wall and cut in with the um, Massey Ferguson. Well, I was going a little bit too fast and it was a gravel road. So I, come around, I came around the corner, and the edge of the mower catches the corner of the stone wall. So I'm flying around, so it spins the tractor and the mower. The, the whole thing spins around on the gravel, and the rock wall starts to do this. And it starts to fall, and it falls like dominoes. Boom, 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 boom. So um, the dust clears. <coughs> I was 14, I had hair. <laughs> I had a big afro at that time. The dust clears and there standing there is a very small boy on a little red dented tractor surrounded by scattered stones and young ladies looking like they had just seen a ghost. And I think Simon Peter at that point would look down and say, that's my son. <laughs> that's my son. So let's focus on Peter, uh, not on Rob. There's lots more stories like that, but I love Peter. And this was the first, uh, the first indication of a relationship between Jesus and Peter, a defining moment in the relationship between Peter and Jesus. Jesus was, in some ways, testing him to see if he had the right stuff. Um, there's five tests in this passage, and uh, Peter had to pass them all. And I want to quickly just, uh, I'd like you to consider, how are you doing on these five tests? Um, see how you'll fare on each of the tests. The first test is what I call a willingness to act test. Jesus is teaching an ever-expanding crowd beside the lake of Gennesaret. So many people are there that they're crowding him. They're crowding him and forcing him out towards the water. He's being pushed farther and farther towards the water. Um, and it doesn't sound a very polite thing to do to the Son of God, to crowd him, but I think they just wanted to be near him. Um, you know, they just wanted to be near him. And so they crowded him. They were desperate to see and to hear. Um, perhaps you know what a crowd is like. Have you been down at uh, Young and Bloor in rush hour? And when you can get on a, a, a subway car without 
moving your feet. <clears throat> you just stand there and you're moved onto the train miraculously. My, my last office was Young and St. Clair, those busy, busy days as you, as you push onto the trains. Um, I'm sure it was much like uh, Young and Bloor um, when Jesus was on the shore. And I have a hunch that if we were there, we'd have been squeezing in to get uh, close to him too so that we could hear. So Jesus had a problem, and it was obvious that something needed to be done. He spotted a couple of fishing boats pulled up on shore. The problem was the crowd. The solution, a boat. A boat. And Peter was the owner of the boat. So Peter appeared to be willing, just, yes, you know, come on in and teach from my boat. I'm not sure anyone had ever taught from the boat before. He made his boat available, set out with Jesus so he could continue teaching from the boat. It sounds simplistic, and it is to a degree, but it's one of the marks of a disciple. A disciple is willing to act, to get involved, to serve, to use what they've got. God can use you when part of your faith is being ready to help with whatever you have, whether it be a piano or a boat or a MacBook Pro. The Pro doesn't float. Have you got hands? Help. Have you got feet? Go. Have you got an iPad? Give it to me. <laughs> no, I mean, use it. Use it. Use it. Uh, this spring, a lot of students are going to leave Tyndale. Some will, will leave for good. Others will leave for the summer. Around here, for those of us who work here, it's going to change. The, the pace changes. But I, I wonder how we're doing with the willingness to act test. So my prayer is that you would focus on your willingness to act in this next season. Second test, can you follow directions test? After Jesus had finished teaching the crowd, they began to disperse. Jesus said to Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Uh, now, um, not many of us are probably fisher people here. Um, but there were a few issues. Um, first was the time of day. Anyone who knows anything about fishing, uh, when do you fish? Morning or, or at night. Yeah, not, not usually midday. Worst time to fish is in the middle of the day when it's hottest. So Jesus is suggesting that they fish at the wrong time. Secondly, they'd already fished all night, Peter tells him later. So they're tired, they're probably ready for a nap, and there aren't any fish here, right? We just fished all night. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure, Jesus, that I necessarily want to fish again. Third, Jesus was not a fisherman. He was the son of a carpenter. So Peter and all the professional fishermen in their professional fishing boats knew how to fish. Jesus was a carpenter. He knew not fishing. So the expert fisherman is being told by the expert carpenter, why don't you go fishing? You might get lucky. <clears throat> Fourth, you might remember that there was a crowd that was dispersing, but there was a crowd from a fishing village. These people knew about fishing. These people would see Peter and his friends putting the nets into the water at midday. Not only was Peter fishing foolishly, but he would be fishing foolishly publicly. <laughs> Have you ever done that? <laughs> it's very similar to driving a large red tractor. 
<laughs> at lunchtime. Fishing foolishly publicly. I love Peter's immediate response. It's classic. He doesn't say no. He says, Master. I like he doesn't say yes. He says, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. What does that mean? <laughs> it kind of means no, doesn't it? It kind of means no. You can tell those words. He's working hard to keep his cool. He's just fished all night, and he doesn't want to do it again. He's frustrated. This guy taught from his boat. This Jesus... Everybody was watching from shore. Master, we've worked all night, but we've caught nothing. And then these seven words, and I, I want us to, to use these repeatedly in, in the coming months. Yet if you say so, yet if you say so, I will. Seven words. Try them. Yet if you say so, I will. I will fish foolishly. Publicly, I will come to Tyndale. I will work at Tyndale. I will serve you where you want me to serve. I will study where you want me to study. Yet, if you say so, I will. It's a tough test. Can you follow directions? Will you do what he asks? Will you do what he asks publicly? So many of students will leave Tyndale, our grad students and undergrad students, some of them for the next chapter of their lives, some of them just for a summer break. And those of us who work here, it'll be a change of season for us. Are there things in the coming days, weeks, and months that you're not looking forward to doing? Is this a transition period for you? Because my prayer is that you would memorize those words, yet if you say so, I will. Peter may have been foolish at times, but he was the wisest of men. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do things that seem outrageous and even impossible. Um, on, on New Year's Day this year, I had a heart attack, and uh, this part of my heart had a 90% blockage. And, uh, and I was starting work here on the 24th of January. And um, I didn't know if I could start. I wanted to start, but I, I'd never had a heart attack, and I wasn't sure what to do. So I just came to work. <laughs> and I've been coming every day since. Um, and, and I love it. I love it. If, if, um, if you were to say, well, Rob, you can't because, you know, you're a, you're a weak little dude with a, with a bad heart. Your left anterior descending artery is a shot. Well, I don't care. I mean, I'm alive, and I kind of love working here. And I get to yell across the, the hallway to Tina Marie and say, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and we, I have a new family here now, and I love it. And I am Peter, so forgive me and my foolishness over the last three months that I've been working here, but, uh, but I'm learning. I'm learning. So he says, yet if you say so, I will. And what does he do? In the middle of day, he fishes foolishly publicly, puts the nets into, into the lake. What happens? It's a fish-o-rama. It's a fish-o-rama. The, the nets are filled to overflowing. He pulls them up. He can't pull them up. He calls another boat. The other boat comes over. That's almost sinking. They had so many fish, they didn't know what to do with them. 
Now here's where the third test kicks in. It's the who deserves the credit test. Peter could have come ashore and goes, who is the man? <laughs> look at my boat, look at my nets. Who is the fisherman? <laughs> I am the fisherman. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He didn't say, look at this catch. What he did is he said he fell at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. What does that have to do with fish? Everything. It's clear that Peter knew that some kind of divine miracle had taken place and that Jesus was responsible for the fish and that he, Peter, was unworthy. Isn't it a beautiful story? A, a, a load of fish brings him to his knees. I'm unworthy. Peter fell before Jesus in humility, recognizing that the work that was done and the credit that was due all belonged to Jesus. It's always God. And that one test is one that we have to pass again and again and again because it's so easy for our egos to get involved. Christ deserves the credit. This spring, a lot of students will be leaving, some of them with degrees. I was talking to a young lady outside, and she was, her thesis, uh, her, uh, um, her thesis, uh, uh, she had given this morning, and she was wondering if she was going to get her doing a degree in psychology, and she was going to get her degree, and she was anxious that uh, she'd be, ex be accepted and get the degree. And there's nothing nicer than getting a degree. Um, but who deserves the credit? It's a tough one. Christ deserves the credit. As our students leave, they're graduating with nets full of masters and nets full of bachelor degrees, full of wisdom and discernment, all sorts of knowledge, overflowing with wisdom are our students. And who deserves the credit? <laughs> I can see some professors. I do. I do. <laughs> you know, Christ deserves the credit. And I am here to serve, uh, to serve our students and, and to see that they graduate and that they make a difference for Christ's sake. Next test is the grander vision test. Peter and his friends have just made a great deal of money. They just brought in a whole boatload of fish. The catch has made them remarkably wealthy. Oh, no, wait a minute. If Jesus could do this once, could he do it again? Could having Jesus around be like having the Lotto 649 fish lottery won every day? You know? Jesus, yeah, you can hang with us. Why don't we go fishing tomorrow, same time, same place? You know, well, maybe we can do the same thing. That, that's the way my mind goes. I bet Peter and the others would have been happy to follow Jesus if every day they would go out and bring home the, the mother load of fish. They'd be rich. They could buy boats. Jesus could keep filling them up, and they'd keep selling them, and they'd be the envy of the whole village. But Jesus places before Peter a grander vision. I love the King James Version. It's poetic and beautiful. It says, Fear not, from henceforth I will make you fishers of men. Isn't that beautiful? Henceforth I will make you fishers of men. In other words, while the fish miracle was impressive, Jesus wants Peter to be working towards a more miraculous and eternally beneficial goal, drawing of people into God's kingdom. God's priority is people. Um, Tyndale's priority is people. Um, I'm here uh, to serve God and, and to, to bless people. Peter, if he really wants to be a part of the action, he needs to be a real 
fisher man. Not just a catcher of fish. So Jesus takes um, Peter's earthbound vision and moves it to a heavenly vision. And that's where we need to focus our vision, on the larger picture. And part of that involves being aware of all that we do is intended to contribute to a larger vision. We all have different jobs at Tyndale. Some of us are students, some of us, some of us are admissions, some of us are accounting, some of us are registration, some of us are professors, teachers. All our roles, creative work, websites, and we have the best website in the world. You know, we put out beautiful materials. We have the best professors in the world. But you know, we do not work for Dr. Gary Nelson or Dr. Janet Clark, or even Winston Ling. <laughs> we work for Christ. Amen? Amen? Is Winston here? <laughs> Good. <laughs> and Gary's in Boston. I mean, Dr. Nelson's in Boston, so I think we're okay. And you know, I just don't work for the best darn liberal arts Christian university in Canada. I'm here to be a part of a movement. God is doing something, and I'm a part of it at Tyndale. My name tag reads Dr. Rob Patterson, Tyndale University College and Seminary, Director of Church Relations. But you know what it really means is Rob Patterson, fisherman. <laughs> I'm here for Christ. I'm trying to do my part in our department and build a new church relations department, but I'm really just here for Christ. Last test, the will you leave it test. Peter and his partners, James and John, just about had sunk their boats with all of these fish. They bring everything to shore, the largest catch of their lives. Their nets are bursting. They'll be able to sell all of these fish, buy a new boat, and probably get an iPad too and the new fishing app. <laughs> but what do they do? And this is huge, this is unbelievable. They leave it all behind as they follow Jesus. They don't say to Jesus, okay, come back tomorrow, we'll sell a fish, and then we'll talk. No, they left the prophet of the fish to follow a different prophet who trained them to be fishers of men. You see, the grander vision blinds you to other less important things. I don't think they cared about the fish on shore. They pulled their boats up, it says, they left everything and followed him. Didn't look back. I don't think they regretted leaving the fish behind. I wonder if they even noticed. Peter passed the will you leave it test with flying colors. So as we prepare for a break, a change, students, as you prepare for summer, some of you are graduating, some of you looking forward to doing some work and making some money to pay for next year. Those of us who are working here looking forward to some change, um, you know, I, I pray for you, my family and my, my student family. Um, God has called you to serve, and, and I pray that you will pass the tests ahead of you with flying colors, that, um, that you will f be willing to act whenever, wherever, whatever for Christ. That embedded in your minds and heart will be those seven words, yet because you say so, I will. May you be willing to give God the credit for all that he's done in you and be captured by that grander vision that you will live a dynamic, exciting, transformed life 
as we seek to transform the world here at Tyndale and transform one another for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. God bless.